1: Guys, this is the Talking the Star podcast. I'm your host, Connor Livesy. Not joined by my normal co host, is Joey Ikes is in the Bahamas this weekend. So, we got a special guest on to talk about the defensive line, and that is PFF's John Owning and Knower of All Pass Rush. John, what's
0: up, man? Not much, man. Just excited to fill in for Joey and, you know, talk some defensive line. Nothing better. I'm pumped to
1: have you on, but I'm also kind of bummed because I don't, I feel like we're not going to fight much and fighting about football is like one of my favorite things to do. So
0: yeah, yeah. It's always good to have some agreement every now and then, but I got to agree the the <laughs> disagreement is where the fun lies. That's for sure. <laughs> no doubt.
1: No doubt. So we'll start here because I know you've been talking about it on Twitter some and, and discussing it, but I love the Mozzie Smith pick and I feel like there weren't many people who liked it as much as, as me, but I think you are one of them. So I'm just going to give you the floor. We're going to we're going to kind of go through this positional uh, series of me and Joey been doing, talking about these guys heading into camp, just overall look of the position and the view of it, kind of heading uh, here we before we get to Oxnard. But Mozzie Smith, the the first over uh, the the first round pick this year, um, a lot of people not happy with it, but I think we were two people who really liked it and think he's going to be a big player for this defensive line and defensive front. And uh, I'll give you the floor. Let you talk about how how much you love it.
0: Yeah, you know, I think Mozzie Smith is really going to be a force amplifier for the rest of the defensive line and front seven in general. You know, he's a guy who's incredibly powerful, powerfully built. He's very athletic for his size, as we've can, as we seen in all the viral videos of him working out at Michigan and his athletic and strength feats that he continually provided there. But <clears throat> his ability to uh, dominate between the A-gaps is something the Cowboys haven't had in since what Jay Ratliff was playing right. nose tackle for Bill Parcells and Will Wade Phillips back in the day, I don't think the Cowboys have really had a, a, an impact nose t- someone who can be an impact nose tackle like Mozzie Smith. You know his size, his ability to eat double teams, his ability to force those um, create knockback at, at the point of contact, which is going to uh, create some issues for the combination blocks up front. It's going to make the the climbing combination blockers take longer to get to the linebackers. That means guys like Leighton Van Der Esch, Jabril Cox, or um, Damone Clark are going to have more time to diagnose the offensive play concept and get to their gaps without being immediately encumbered by, you know, a blocker right in their face like they've been so accustomed to the last decade playing with the Cowboys. And I do believe that with his athleticism and putting him in a more aggressive stance, because when he plays at Michigan, he played in a really backloaded frog stance where his weight was really on his heels so that he can mirror the uh, steps of the opposing blocker so that he can stay square, you know, do the whole stack and shed thing that the two gappers do so often. And, when you get him in Cow- get him in Dallas, get him in a, in a Dan Quinn defense a little bit more aggressive, he can play a little bit more upfield, get his weight you know, a little bit more shifted forward. I think that's going to really allow him to showcase his athletic traits that we saw in the weight room, but weren't always exhibited on the football field consistently. I think he could do that more consistently with the Cowboys. And that's why I think he can, someone who can grow into becoming a better pass rusher, someone who can do more than just push the pocket up front. So him in combination with also having Jonathan Hankins, who's the best backup nose tackle the Cowboys have had in God knows how long those two up front. I think it's going to make the Cowboys interior run def- defense a lot better and the overall defense, a lot better because the linebackers, like I said, are going to have more freedom of movement, allow their athletic athleticism and their football intelligence to take over and make plays.
1: One of the things I want to touch on too, with you is, is I saw you had replied to a tweet. It was, I think it was Dan Orlovsky and, uh, Tyron Matthews talking about just some of like the shell coverage and two high looks that, that so many teams in the NFL are playing nowadays to kind of defend speed and vertical plays on the offensive side of the ball. And that's one thing that we talked about on the show a little bit pre- and post-draft. If that if M- Mazi was a selection and then when he was the selection, it's how much easier he like how many things he's gonna open up for this defense. And and you touched on it a little bit today, I think it was where you know you talked about that investment. Um, And why it was smart to invest in a player like Mozzie Smith. And, and you got to think like, you know, obviously the third and longs and stuff like that, you'll probably have different matchups but there's there's going to be times I think this year that if Mozzie does develop his athleticism to match that pass rush that you might see formations with Jonathan Higgins and Mozzie Smith playing the one in the three together, uh, at times just because that gives you such a stout um, interior to, to defend the run if teams are trying to run the ball on you. Do you think that that's something we'll see some this year with Hankins and Mozzie both playing on the field at the same time?
0: Oh yeah, for sure. It's something that the Cowboy, that Dan Quinn has done in both of his years at the cow and every year since of the Cowboys uh, defensive coordinator. last year, we saw Bohanna and uh, Bohanna and Hankins on the field at the same time. You see times with Carlos Watkins and Hankins on the field at the same time. Dan Quinn really likes to get to against teams that are heavy run, personnel you know if you're going against the falcons the eagles type of things he likes to really cancel out the a and the b gaps up front with those big bodies so that they can spill all the runs outside and allow their safe they're really fast triggering safeties like J ron kurz jonathan wilson to really fly through the alley or let their athletic linebackers like damone clark leighton van Der esch anthony bard last year not this year because he's not there but he really likes to be able to do that And with mozzie smith and jonathan hankins i think it's just going to be that more effective because in previous years even though you had two big bodies you couldn't always You couldn't always be – they didn't always do their job up front. I'll just be frank. You know, Bohana has been a below-average player. He hasn't always been able to take on those double teams. And despite him being a big 320-plus-pound player, he doesn't give you that type of impact. He's getting moved on contact. He's getting turned. He's just doing all the things that you can't do as that A-gap nose tackle player. But with Mozzie Smith and Jonathan Hankins, two guys who you can rely on to not have that happen, I think it's going to allow them to just – play into the skill sets of all their other playmakers on their defense.
1: Yeah, no doubt. And, I mean, I just think the defensive tackle position as a whole is – I mean, you've talked about the the nose tackles, but then that just lets – they've had Neville Gallimore playing some of that nose tackle role a lot in his career so far with Dallas. And while he's been an underwhelming player, I think think even coming out of Oklahoma, he is a guy that you would hope would just be more of your pass rushing three technique. So it lets him kind of fall back into a role with Osa Digizua, the three technique – you obviously got guys like Chauncey Golston there. Uh, Junior Fihoko is a guy who that we're probably going to see play a lot of that three technique as well. So I just think as a whole, that one pick kind of solidifies that position is a, is a pretty big upgrade going into the year. And obviously that's barring health and everybody staying healthy and and maybe some some development there from a Chauncey Golston. And, you know, hoping that some of your guys like Junior Fehoko can come in and make an impact as pass rushers. But uh, I think from a run defense and from an upside pass rush standpoint, that position just looks a whole lot better um in may and june than it did you know this time last year with without question
0: yeah 100 agree i think like i said he's a force amplifier for the rest of the front seven and i one thing that you mentioned on the junior for hoko thing i was really that when that pick was made i was a little bit lukewarm because i thought you know he played primarily on the edge, and they were going to try to ham fist into being an edge defense, like a power edge in this defense. But the fact that he's going to be gaining weight and moving down the three tech, I think, is going to play into his skill set perfectly with his relentlessness, the urgency that he plays with up front. I think his ability to split that B gap and use his better, be able to utilize his quickness and the violence that he plays with his hands is going to be so good inside. And I really like both those picks for the Cowboys in the future of the Cowboys interior defensive line.
1: I just want to get your thoughts on it because people have asked me we have talked about it on twitter and other shows and stuff like that but i mean the thing with mozzie is i just don't think he is your like say prototypical but like he's he's not a guy that you just shove in that nose tackle role and he stays there he's not a jonathan hankins because of that athleticism and quickness and and strength and flexibility that he plays with i just i think he's a guy that again you said it like starting with that fixed stance if he's able to get into a more athletic upfield aggressive stance and and that helps his, his you know burst and flexibility off the ball right away like he's a guy that you could see playing a ton of three technique this year and i think that was the the thing that i valued the most with his game pre-draft is a lot of people are kind of pigeonholing him into just yeah well you don't want to draft you know nose tackles in in the first round i was like yeah he has the nose tackle size and a lot of his game you know he doesn't have the pass rush um numbers and stuff that you, you'd you want to see from the, the college level, you know, only half a sack in Michigan, but he's got a guy that has so much upside there that in year two, maybe even year one, like you're going to see a guy play probably the most and successful pass rush reps that he's probably ever played in his career, just from some tweaks and fixes and some of his technique and stance. So I think, I think he's a guy that without a doubt can move around and play more of a role than just your prototypical nose tackle role. that's going to eat up blocks and play the run.
0: Yeah, I totally agree. I think that, just be i think it just comes from a lack of ability to vision what a player did just because he wasn't asked to do it in college you know in Michigan's scheme he was asked to dominate the A gaps play that two gapping nose tackle uh, position and because he didn't get to show off those other athletic traits as much during the game people don't think that he has that ability but he does we've seen him you know he's he's shown too much athleticism in other areas the where if you just, like you said, make a couple of tweaks that it's not going to be able to be showcased a lot more often in a scheme like the Cowboys.
1: So we've kind of done this at each position, but we've kind of went through like, okay, do we see them adding an outside player to this group? And then for, for this group, I don't think they do. I think they have plenty of bodies there. You know, obviously anything can happen, but if this group's healthy, where do, where do we feel like they go with this group into the season? Do we feel like like, what five or six guys are they going to carry a defensive tackle um, heading into the season, do
0: you do you think? And are you going to project out today? I would say Mazi Smith for sure. Osa Digizua, that's two. Jonathan Hankins, three. Um, Chauncey Golson four. And I think Neville Gallimore is still going to be that fifth guy. Oh, no, and obviously Fajoko. Junior Fajoko is five. And then Gallimore is kind of that fringe sixth guy who may not be competing with – he's probably competing with, like, a – six receiver or you know a fifth or sixth cornerback I don't know those numbers off the top of my head but those type of things a fifth or sixth linebacker he's going to be competing with those other end of the roster players besides potentially not the actual defensive tackles on the roster
1: yeah no doubt that's kind of how I see it I mean the only other thing I would mention that is if if they use Fajoko in that tyron crawford role where it's like hey maybe they can go light at edge and use him as that you know strong side defensive end some too maybe maybe golson or uh gallimore makes it you know is a depth defensive tackle and they go a little bit lighter at edge to uh to carry a guy like Fahoko who can do a little bit of both but let's uh move over to the that edge rusher spot um i know you have done a lot of micah parsons film review it looks like here recently um in Talk about – I mean, I, I've seen your views on it for people listening who haven't. Where, where do you have Micah Parsons falling in in that Ed rush Rusher ranking uh, in the NFL right now? I think he's
0: definitely top three. Him, um, Miles Garrett, Nick Bosa, I think he's right there of that elite, elite, elite tier. And this is a guy who's – he's doing it despite being, I would say, a notably less technical player than those other two. And that's just – He's such, he has such the most innate and natural pass rush ability in the NFL. You see um, his speed up the edge, the flexibility, his, his strength, the fact that he carries so much power and strength in such a small frame is so unique for him, I think. And we saw it time after time after time last year with the way he was tossing tackles and being stout in the run game. His, he's, if he can just get his hand, I like his footwork. I think he uses subtle footwork to set up offensive linemen, which I highlighted on Twitter earlier this week. But if he can really tighten up his hand, you should just get it to be more consistent, get it to get that timing a little bit better. I think he has one more step that he can take in his in his career and be able to, you know, even separate himself potentially from the Miles Garrett's and the Nick Boses in the world. This is how, that's how talented he is. He really is the most talented defensive player in the NFL
1: All right. So where do you have them? You said top three. I know you watch these guys. Where do you have them? One, two, or
0: three? Uh, I'll probably have them number two. I'd have Nick Bosa, one, uh, Micah, two, Miles Garrett, three. And that's just because I think it's, I think Nick Bosa is the most well-rounded of the two running path of the three running pass. So that's why he gets number one. And I think Miles um, Garrett is probably the worst run defender of the three. So I put him three, and that's the kind of tiebreaker I would use. Whereas Micah Parsons is the, probably the second best pass rusher and the second uh run defender in that ring. So I'd probably put him number two.
1: Okay. That's fair. Can't can't. Don't can't. tell if Niners fans though. Oh yeah. No doubt. I don't no need doubt. to hear that. We talked about a defensive tackle, but this edge rusher position two is one that I mean for the first time in what feels like a long time, like it's not just relying on two guys. It's not just relying on DeMarcus Lawrence and Randy Gregory or Micah Parsons and DeMarcus Lawrence. Like it has, in my opinion, pretty quality depth behind it. I mean, Doran Armstrong is a guy that I think can be good. I think consistency has always been his biggest issue, but you got, I mean, I'm I'm excited for Sam Williams this year. I, I wanted to get your thoughts on Sam Williams too, on what you think of his year one and then what he could be in year two. Um, maybe some things you saw from him from a technical aspect in year one that you think he could even improve on and be even better in year two. Um, so we can go ahead and start there, actually, before we get into Demarcus Lawrence.
0: Yeah, I'm really excited about Sam Williams. I think his rookie year win is about as good as you can get. He was a really high-impact player on a small amount of snaps. His ability to convert speed to power was so impressive and the violence that he played with a consistent basis. He just needs to clean up you know, some of the footwork and the setup things. He's not really setting people up. He's kind of just winning on – brute physicality and athleticism right now you're not seeing him really set up moves you're not really seeing the refined footwork to set uh to create sword edges to do all the things that make your life easier but that's because he's a rookie i think he'll as long as he continues to work and continues to develop in progress at his game i think he's someone who can be a a super reliable number two edge rusher who can step into that demarcus lawrence role in two or three years once demarcus lawrence you know retires and or sees his play really drop off a cliff.
1: Yeah. I'm I'm really
0: excited for Sam Williams. I mean, I, I was
1: one of the few people that I felt like was high on him pre-draft. So it was nice to see him have a good year one. And, and like I said, I think towards the the end of year one, he started to kind of show some improvement and wasn't playing quite as much as we we might, I thought maybe he deserved towards the end of that season with, with the Dorrance Armstrong kind of falling off, but even behind, like I said, we'll, we'll touch on DeMarcus Lawrence and get at some of these other depth guys. But um I know Demarcus Lawrence is always a uh, very, very pulled apart individual on in the football field. You know, there's guys who love him, There's guys who can't stand them, you know, from a st- statistical standpoint. Um, again, going back to how I opened the show, this, is, this isn't a guy we're going to fight on because we both really like the player. Um, I still think he has plenty left in the tank. But uh, your thoughts of Demarcus Lawrence and his 2023 outlook kind of heading
0: into camp, where are you at with him? Oh, I love Demarcus Lawrence. Still one of the most well-rounded defense edge rushers or edge defenders in the entire NFL. Arguably a top five run defender in the NFL from the edge defender position. His ability to not only set a strong edge, but he can also pierce the backfield, make plays behind the line of scrimmage. I mean, he made a ton of plays on the run game last year that allowed the defense to be more impactful and create turnovers, whatever it be. And then as a pass rusher, I think his athleticism is waning just a little bit, but he's still such a technician that he's going to win more often than not. He's going to have those big seven pressure, eight pressure games like he did against the Giants last year. He's going to have his, you know, his impressive performances. And when you have somebody like Micah Parsons, who's taking some of the pressure off of him, even though DeMarcus Lawrence still saw quite a high double team rate last year, along with Micah Parsons. So that tells you how scared offenses are of both of the Cowboys edge rushers. you know, one A and one B. So I love DeMarcus Lawrence. There's not much you can say. High pressure player, incredibly, incredible run defense, a motor that never stops. That's such a good example for the rest of that defense, just with his effort level, you know, on a play by play basis. I think I don't think it's a coincidence that, you know, Michael Parsons playing with DeMarcus Lawrence. You see Michael Parsons making hustle play and hustle play like in the Lions game last year, chasing down screens. It's because guys like DeMarcus Lawrence set a standard. And I think he is invaluable to this defense as a whole. And that's, and, and you, just the fact that he redid his contract when he didn't have to, It's just a team guy. I don't want anybody that doesn't like DeMarcus Lawrence. I seem, I think something's wrong with them. You know, it makes no sense to me how you can be a call yourself a Cowboys fan, but not be a giant DeMarcus Lawrence fan.
1: Demarcus Lawrence and like Tyron Smith are in the same category for me where it's like, there's,
0: Yeah, they're sacrificing their bodies, you know, consistently fighting through injuries, doing all these things and still providing high-level play. And then, you know, some fans just can't be happy because they got to complain. They got to be whiners.
1: (laughs) And I love to complain. It's just like, hey, I'm
0: watching football here. Like, I'm just talking about what I'm seeing and what I'm watching and what reading. That's the thing is, if you you talked about what you were seeing, you'd be saying, Demarcus Lawrence, great player. Love him. Right. I don't know what they're seeing. I don't know what fucking – Weed, they smoking, but I need some, apparently. (laughs) I love it. I love it. I love it. All right. I want
1: to get, we'll talk, I mean, we don't need to touch much on, you know, the Dante Fowlers. We have a good feeling that he'll be on the team. Tack McKinley is a guy that was kind of bouncing around from practice squad to inactive. I think he was active a game or two last year, but like I said, they got some quality veteran depth guys to, to kind of round out that rotation. So I want to give... You the floor on Isaiah Land, a guy that I know you're really, really excited about. Uh, might not be a full time edge rusher, but I think he's a guy that will rush the passer, so we'll, we can include him in that group now as we talk about him. And do you think he's a guy that has a chance to make the roster this year? And if so, what kind of impact can he make? And then I want to and to give your thoughts a little bit. We we've heard some whispers that DeMar, Demarvion Overshone. Uh, might spend some times uh, as an edge rusher as well, so I know he's more of a traditional linebacker. But both of those guys could could see the field as pass rushers in camp and in the preseason, and if they make the
0: rushers during the regular season as well. So I'll give you the floor on those as well. Get Overshawn the heck away from the edge. Keep him off ball. You can't rush. Um, that's all I got to say about that. Isaiah Land. Get that guy away from off ball. Just let him rush. They're the they're in the opposite categories. I don't. Want, I really hate how sometimes teams try to get too smart and they try to ham fist an edge rusher just because he's a little bit small and put him on off ball. I didn't think Isaiah land was very impressive off ball. I think he made all of his impact playing on the edge or taking someone who in caught co- by, by college standards was like a B plus edge defender, but like a D plus off ball linebacker, but yet you're going to make him an off ball linebacker in the pros just because he's a little bit smaller and hope it works out. It doesn't make much sense to me. And I think, his ability to make the team kind of rides on where the Cowboys play him. If they play him on the edge, I could see him earning his way as that sixth edge defender, you know, beating out maybe a Neville Gallimore for that 10th spot on the defensive line, quote unquote, or something like that off ball. I just, I don't see much. I don't see much upside there. You know, I, other than trying to like make the numbers work on a roster, just trying to ham fist them in. I think he's someone who can make an impact on special teams with his athletic ability, but special teams is being the value of them is being diminished year by year. As we see with the kickoff thing this year with the rules, who knows what's coming next. So I just hope that they wake up and start putting him more and more on the edge. Maybe, you know, if it's a split, I understand, but I want him playing on the edge and pass, when it's passing downs, he better be on the edge rushing the passer.
1: And the, I mean, I guess the people's biggest thing with land is, you know, he's too small, but I think it's important to realize, while he is a thinner built guy. He is seven pounds lighter than what Micah Parsons weighed in at uh, his pro day in 2022, whenever that was 2021, whenever he came out in the draft. So, I mean, they're, definitely Mike is a little bit more thickly built, but land's got a little bit of height on him. And I think he's got, man, I don't think he's a guy that's completely maxed out either. So he can probably get a little bit bigger, stronger. I mean, we know he wasn't playing in Alabama or a, a uh, Georgia that's got a great, you know, he, he can get into an NFL weight room and, and put some weight on him and probably improve on some of his size and strength concerns. Um, but I'm with you on the overshone thing. I mean, I, I, we keep kind of seeing his name thrown in some of the pass rush conversations. and just doesn't make a ton of sense to me. I mean, I know there's a lot of people prior to the draft that thought he should slim back down and play safety. But I think he fits in well as that undersized, you know, off the ball linebacker that probably needs to be kept more clean than you'd like. But also a guy that can kind of play sideline to sideline and, and be more of your traditional off the ball linebacker. Any of these edge rushers you want to touch on that we didn't really highlight
0: not really, to be honest. I'm not the biggest fan of the undrafted guys, Darrell Johnson and uh, Tyrus Wheat. I don't really see much there for with either one of them. I could see Darrell Johnson potentially sticking on the practice squad. Um, Like you said, Dante Fowler, we already kind of know what he is. He's going to be someone who's a really good depth edge defender who you have to put up with maybe a couple bonehead plays every few games. But besides that, he's going to be a high-impact player on a small amount of snaps.
1: So Dorrance Armstrong obviously blew Sam Williams' snap count out of the water in twenty twenty three or 2022, which was expected with Sam Williams being a rookie. How much closer do we think those guys play from a snap count perspective in 2023? Because personally, I think it should be much closer than it was. So maybe I'm, one, asking you for your overall thoughts on Dorrance Armstrong, and then, two, do you just think that Sam Williams is going to kind of close that gap
0: in year two for him? Yeah, I hope he does close the gap a little bit more. I think – that um sam williams deserves it and i think he's the guy that's going to be able like i said before gonna uh take over for demarcus lawrence so i think he's the person he should primarily get those snaps you know i think that he's shown more as a pass rusher i think the i think it's the fact that the coaches maybe didn't trust him from like a gap assignment perspective, but I think in year two, another year, Dan Quinn's defense should make that a lot of bit better. And then as far as Doran Armstrong, I think he is what he is. I think he's a solid rotational defensive end. Who's going to, he's really good on stunts. He's a phenomenal special teams player and that he'll be able to win some of his one-on-one matchups that he receives because thanks to all the other talent that the Cowboys have up front. he's the guy that benefits most from DeMarcus Lawrence and Micah Parsons getting so much attention because then he gets one-on-one matchups with inferior offensive tackles, and he does play with power. He does have—he's not as—he's not super explosive, but he does have bend. He is flexible, so he can present some um, mismatches for some opposing tackles, some opposing guards. So I think he's a good piece, but he's not someone who you want to like. You know, if Demarcus Lawrence gets hurt, we always see the Cowboys' pass rush just take a nosedive and that's because you can't rely on Dorrance Armstrong to beat opposing teams as top left or right tackle consistently, especially if they're throwing any chips his way or having a tight end aligned over there. He's just, like I said, he's a good backup rotational defensive end who you love if he's your number three or number four guy, but who's going to leave you a little bit wanting if he's your number two.
1: I wish we disagreed more today. It would have been a little, <laughs> little, little, little more, more fun, a little more electric, but, uh, Anything from that group, the edge rush group, you think that they would look to add to, you know, I mean, veteran cut down, trade, anything like that? Or do you think that that group's solid enough and deep enough going into camp and going into the regular season where they're going to feel pretty confident in that group going in?
0: No, I think it's good. Unless somebody gets hurt, unless Amica or Demarcus Lawrence gets hurt, I think Cowboys can stand pat and feel really, really good about the the squad that they have.
1: And I guess this is a preview for next week, but the only position on the defense side of the ball that I feel that they need to kind of look at is linebacker. I know that's not a secret, you know, they didn't they had it over shown in, in, on day two last year uh, in the, in the draft, but I definitely feel like they could use maybe another Anthony bar like signing. Maybe, you know, you hope you get a little bit more out of that player than you got out of bar last year. But um, I mean, the, the corner rooms, deep and talented at the top, the safety rooms, deep and talented at the top. And edge and defensive tackles deep and talented at the top so it's kind of you're you're looking at one spot on the defensive side of the ball and honestly one spot you know other than maybe a veteran offensive lineman like one spot on the whole team where you kind of feel you know hey we could use another player there and that would that would be linebacker for me
0: yeah and i totally and that's the way i think it should be though i think defenses should be built like that where you put resources into the defensive line the edge and the secondary and then you just kind of make it work with whatever linebackers you can get. I think that the way that the NFL is going, I think that's the best way to do it.
1: Yeah, I heard – I was listening to Robert Mays' podcast on The Athletic, and I think – I can't remember if it was Mina or Nate Tice, but they were both – one of them said, you know, that's the way Philly builds it is their their biggest tolls are at your least valuable positions. And while linebacker can – you know, if you got a really, really good one like a Fred Warner, it can make a big impact, but I don't think there's any denying that running back and linebacker are probably the two least – important positions on, on football field nowadays. And if you want to have holes at them, um, let's let's make sure it's those two spots.
0: Yeah, totally agree.
1: John, let everybody know where they can find you again. Appreciate you saving my ass because Joey's vacationing in the Bahamas and <laughs> trying to get this yeah. bad
0: boy rolling. <laughs> yeah, just find me on Twitter at John Owning, J-O-H-N-O-W-N-I-N-G. Make sure you guys are reading everything on PFF.com so that they keep paying me.
1: Yeah, do that so John can continue to feed his family, and as he said earlier, buy the buy the best marijuana in the in the planet. So,
0: yeah, we're trying. We were
1: just on the East Coast not too long, right? What was that last? Yeah, week I was in else? North Carolina.
0: I was that <laughs> North Carolina eating eating Bojangles and what was the what was the other one? Cookout the cookout, cookout. Oh, cookout.
1: Where'd, where'd you where'd you where you go in North Carolina?
0: I went um, Carolina Beach and Raleigh. Hmm. Carol, like. Outer Banks, Carolina Beach. Yes, sir. Oh yeah, I was being pogue. It was a damn gale force wind storm though, so I didn't get to do anything. But yeah, weather stayed, was weather was crappy.
1: Weather was crappy on the East Coast last week. It's so funny because everybody from the East Coast goes to California for the beaches, most part, or they go to Nags Head, Outer Banks. But uh, yeah, g- glad you got to visit the old East Coast and and live a little of my life. For, you know, stay on my time. Yeah, you guys got way
0: better fast food. That's about it.
1: <laughs> it's it's uh it, it, i guess you could say that I, i'm not i'm not a fan of the in and outs and stuff like that
0: either as much when we go out there so oh don't don't, don't even get me started if you say whataburger i'm leaving
1: uh, i don't like whataburger that much okay either. good okay good, before, okay, good. You know. okay, okay
0: that's fair Then that's fair <laughs> that's fair that's fair
1: all right john thank you so much for coming on man uh appreciate you taking some time to talk about the i feel like this is the position group you love the most so Figured no better guy to have on to to break it down with me. So I appreciate it.
0: Yes, sir. Thanks for the invite.
1: Absolutely. Thank you, John. Thank you guys so much for listening to the Talking the Star podcast. Make sure you're listening to all the other shows in the Boys podcast feed. We'll see you guys next week on Talking the Star.